Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many people say that music is a universal language. If that's the case, I would like to use music as a platform to talk about health. My name is Dr. Moshe Lewis, and I'm a full-time practicing physician who loves music and the way it affects our brains, our bodies, and our well-being. We'll be discussing topics that affect all of us. From mental health to body image, cancer screening to stroke, our health is truly our greatest asset. Hopefully, these discussions will improve the health of our community. Welcome to Music and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Moshe Lewis, and ecstatic to be here with Jerry Bell, the Daz Band, New Birth. He's done it all. Now he's on his own with a phenomenal career, traveling all over the world and spreading not only love, but good tunes and good vibes. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, and welcome to my home. (laughs) Exactly. No, let's talk about that. We wanted to be able to come into your home, and we appreciate you being willing to have us here just to kind of share in all that you've accomplished. And let's roll back the clock just a little bit and really talk about, we covered it a little bit, but but for the viewers, because they didn't get to hear some of the behind the scenes conversations, how did you you get interested in music and, and finally to find your voice? Uh, my family is uh, it's a big music, musically inclined type of family. You know, first it started off with my mom, of course, because she was a singer, a gospel singer. She sang in the church, and you know, we all if you come up like that, you you come up in the church. Absolutely. And then the second, uh, my uh, oldest brother is Archie Bell, right. who had a group uh, in the '60s and '70s called Archie Bell and the Drills, and he had big records called Tighten Up, It's Gonna Be a Showdown, Can't Stop Dancing, that kind of thing. And then um, my second cousin is uh, Robert Coolbell from Cool in the Gang. Mm. And you know, but you know what their hits are, Ladies <laughs> sure. Night and all that stuff. Heard a couple. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then my third cousin is Tom Bell, who was the uh, writing partners with Gamble Huff. So it was Gamble Huff and Bell, Philly International Record Company, and they right. produced everybody from Teddy Pendergrass, Delphonic, Spinners, um, the, you name it. The you know, yeah, all that Philly sound. Exactly, you know. right, right. Uh, so yeah, that's, you know, my musical legacy. And then having the opportunity to, uh, to sing lead with the Daz Band for a while. And then, uh, and then, of course, with New Birth was first. Right. You know, with New Birth and um, the hits that we had. It's been such a long time. I Can Understand It, uh, Wildflower, those right. things. And then Daz Band, you know. Let it whip, keep it live, swoop. Sure. You know all the the funk. You right. Know what I mean? We just can't. <laughs> but, can't sit still and listen to the songs. Yeah. You got to move. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But prior to to that too, uh, I mean, just working in the industry uh, with a lot of 
a lot of entertainers, you know, I, um, my uh, inspiration to doing this work, most of uh, people that came up from my generation or your generation was uh, James Brown. Right, absolutely. So James was like, you, you know, you see a James Brown show and it's like, I want to perform, you know. So it was James Brown, Jackie Wilson, Otis Redding. Right. <clears throat> um, my friend Isaac Hayes who's passed on now, Michael Jackson, who I work with uh, quite a bit, you know. So I've had an opportunity to, you know, boom, a lot of people, man. Right. A lot of people, a lot of music. And now I'm doing stuff around the world. I'm in China. Uh, I have a company with uh, my Chinese business partners uh, called uh, China Gram. Okay. And um, my business, my main business partner there, his name is Chin Jin. So okay. we we're um, we're now bringing um, the R&B Hall of Fame to China. So the uh, they're having breaking the ground right now on building wow. my city in uh, in Beijing, and then also the R&B Hall of Fame. Museum in uh, in Beijing. Okay, so we ought to roll back a bit because you've covered so much <laughs> in a mouthful. Let's talk about the Philly sound. You mentioned that, mm -hmm. and some of the artists and the way you actually sort of actually got into performing and then doing that that first that first song. Okay. Well, you know, my my partners was McFadden and Whitehead. We uh, we came up. We grew up together. Came up on the same street. Uh, I'm from West Philly, so um, we came up on the same street and we hung out and we did martial arts together and okay. that kind of thing. So um, being in the studio with them a lot, you know, I got a chance to, you know, do some offset things and with them, uh, another uh, uh, artist who's passed on now by the name of Bunny Siegler. Okay. And Bunny Siegler wrote a lot of hits. They wrote for the OJs, they wrote for uh, Major Harris, the Spinners. Um, um, God, Teddy Pendergrass, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, you know what I mean? And this goes on. And so that was that was the the inspiration, the Philly sound and, right. and and growing up at the time that I was growing up when you see cats on the corner doo wopping, singing, right. you know, and it'd be cold outside, right, 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 snowing, and they'd be on. standing on the corner harmonizing. Are <laughs> exactly. uh, we practicing our basements, you know, sure. that kind of thing. So yeah, man, it's a lot of music, man. A lot of music. Then I when I moved from uh my mother and father were separated when I was younger. Okay. So my father was in Philly. My mom was, is a Floridian. She's from she was from Florida. So um, when I was younger, I was split between going, spending the winters of Philadelphia in Florida, and the summers of Philadelphia, of uh, of Florida and Philly in Philadelphia right. with my dad. So <clears throat> when I was in Florida. I happened to hook up with uh, <laughs> with a guy by the name of Jimmy Bohorn, okay. who had a record out called Dance Across the Floor, and Cleanup Man came out after uh, this sister by the name of Betty Wright. Sure. I did, uh, Betty yeah, Betty Wright had did that. And, um, and then um, uh, there was a, a record label out of Miami called Tone Distributors. Okay. So Tone, or TK Records, uh, was producing a lot of uh, a lot of hits coming up out of out of the south, right. up, up out of there, and um, uh, working as far as performing with Jimmy Bohorn and uh, and then performing mm -hmm. with uh, with Betty Wright, and there's another gentleman by the name of Timmy Thomas and and George McRae. He did the the song "Woman, Take Me in Your Arms and Rock You, Baby." You know that. Yeah, of course. One. So I had a band back then that used to back everybody. The name of the band was called the Miami Ocean Liners, okay. which was the baddest band on the planet. 
I would have put them up against anybody. It was your band, we know it was bad. You know, I would have put them up against anybody. <laughs> what were some of the instruments you had? We had everything. We had horns, horn players. Uh, um, we had a full band, bass, guitar, two guitar players. We had four horn players, you know, drummer. Um, I mean, the band was insane. Well, that band, if you go on YouTube and pull up Casey and the Sunshine Band, well, they became the Sunshine Band for Casey. I see. And, uh, and when they became the Sunshine Band for Casey is when I ended up becoming uh, one of the lead singers for The New Birth. Right. So, yeah, so that's, you know, some little bit of history. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, but it's helpful because not a whole lot of viewers know all these pieces and all these components about right, your past because right, right. it has spanned, spanned so much time and you put out so many hits. Mm. And that's not something that's easy to do. Where do you think that came from in terms of just being able to light fire and get that in a bottle? Um, it wasn't me by myself, you know, I mean, uh, everything had to do with the writers that were writing for us at the time or either the band members that were writers as well that were writing in the group, you know, sure. um, we had a lot of people that uh, that wrote a lot of the hits. Um, and Dougal Chancellor, uh, Reggie Andrews wrote Let It Whip. Right. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the Newburgh stuff, when we did Wildflower, Wildflower actually was uh, was sung by a white group called uh, Skylark. Okay. But we made it popular. Right. And then the OJs did it after us. Right. So, right. <laughs> so but um, yeah, I mean, um, and then uh, I Can Understand It was uh, written and done by Bobby Womack. Sure. And so then we came back and did it and it became a popular song after that in the new birth. Um, and then as far as the other uh, hits on the on the Daz Band stuff from Swoop, Keep It Live, right. um, Joystick, those songs were written or co-written by uh, Bobby Harris, who was uh, one of the leaders of the group, uh, Michael Calhoun, um, Skip Martin, who was one of the other, other singers in the group. Um, I mean, just we had different writers and then Barry Gordy because uh, we were on Motown labels so Barry Gordy uh, had a lot of stuff to, had a lot to do with it Smokey Robinson was one of the tunes that we did uh, for him uh, that he wrote that we did as well so right right I know he's a great great songwriter yeah so you are really big in China and you love the culture oh absolutely and they've embraced you oh absolutely how did all that come to be <laughs> I know you hinted at it really quickly in the beginning but we need to unfold that you know, my years of being in Southeast Asia, I spent uh, a lot of years in Japan, um, in uh, Malaysia, Singapore, and in uh, Korea and in China. And so I speak the languages. And so because you speak the language, it gets you closer to, you know, to, to the people because they feel as though you respect uh, their culture when you're, even if you're trying to, right. to you know, have a conversation that. with them. And it makes business easier as well. And so um, what ended up happening was, because I could speak Chinese, um, I was uh, introduced to a company here in Los Angeles in Alhambra that was doing a TV show called um, America's Got Talent. Right. We've right? heard a couple of... So, but it's the Chinese version of America's Got Talent. Right. right? And so... Um, they had me on the show as a judge. And so this show is shown all throughout China. So um, I'm on the show, I'm speaking Chinese, one thing leads to another, then I get an invitation to come to China. So the first time I go over, um, I meet a lot of different people in business. 
and that's when I met my my business partner. Right. And um, and then one thing led to another, and then we started going over and doing concerts, and right. it just went blew to the roof, you know. Right. So we have uh, we have a recording studio there in wow. Beijing, <clears throat> and uh, and then we go back and forth. We would have been in China this year if it wasn't for this COVID madness, you sure. know. No. Um, but last year we were there year before last, and, and we sell out. Sure. You know, you know, so it's beautiful. And let's talk about why the music is so popular. We know, mm -hmm. but just to even share for the audience, not only overseas, but but these hits continue to be played at weddings, continue to be people that you know had kids by them, continue to be the love songs, continue to be the you know biography right. of sixties and seventies, eighties. What are the elements that you think make it so timeless? Because it's real. It's not synthetic. You know, right. and uh, unfortunately, you know, I get this, uh, I get this argument when, when, <laughs> when the younger, when the youth talk to me about rap and right. all this other kind of stuff, man. Sure. It's like it's not music. Man. Music is when, if you sit down and you're writing notes, right? You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's a language. That's a language, yeah. right? And that's a language that they don't speak. Right. So that's real. The other thing is. When you're playing an instrument, when you're right. playing the drums and you feel the beat of the drum and you're sitting in an audience and you can feel those drums and the horns and the guitar player playing, it, it, it's, a, it's an emotional love-making session exactly. that's basically happening right. and it's a healing force that they have no clue about because the vibrations of the sound waves are totally different than getting in a, a computer and doing some stuff on a laptop and saying, oh, I'm a producer, I, you know, I'm a musician. No, 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 no. It don't work like that. You know? So these are the, this is the difference. And the, um, they're taking shortcuts right. to get through to something that's not real. And that's why it doesn't last forever to where our music, you go anywhere in the world and they're playing it 24-7, you know, and they want it. Um, in China, <clears throat> they're putting together a program right now where we're going into the, um, to the universities and the high schools, which are like th by the thousands, right. and uh, doing clinics and teaching uh, music and voice and, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And for those who play instruments, because they want to play like us, you know, right. they want that sound. Exactly. And uh, the beautiful thing about China that's different from uh, Japan, uh, different from Korea, Japan and Korea are basically used to the American way of doing music, right. where China is just now opening up their doors okay. and saying that, okay, we're going to we're gonna let you come in, but we gotta trust you first. Right, right. You know, we gotta trust that you ain't spies right, and right. You know, exactly. this kind of thing. So, so it's a beautiful thing, man, because I'm first at it. And, you know, right. we say first in time, first in line, first in time. You exactly. know, so. Sure. Yeah. No, no, that that is so necessary. We think to make really great music yeah. is to have instruments, which is why I was asking you about mm -hmm. who was in the band, um, to actually sing. Yes, um, absolutely. And like you implied, leave out all the synthesized yeah. sound because yeah. would you say that it doesn't even do, we we're going to get a little bit more into the healing piece, but it doesn't even literally resonate in the body and have the same effects when it's synthesized versus when it's the real the vibrations blade, yeah. and sounds. Well, I mean, synthesized, we use 
in live concerts for various things, right. you know. Say for instance, if you don't have string players, you can right. actually program live strings into your synthesizer and it'll give right. that, that sound. But on a record, um, trying to synthesize a guitar, or, you know, you put, um, what do they call it, they put on the voice to make right. to make them like auto tuning yeah auto tuning the auto tuning you know right. oh, I don't know about no auto tuning <laughs> you know you got to sing sure. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so um and and you know what's so funny is when i was coming up to tr- trying to sing um there were there was a group out of florida they were called the uh, enchanters mm-hmm. there's now there's a group called enchantment, enchantment right which That's is they're great but there was this group called the enchanters and it was five five guys right. two of them were brothers <clears throat> and they were bad mm-hmm. i mean Thank i put them much. up against the temptation sure. anybody right? right well we all knew each other because i used to date the two the two brothers i used to date their sister okay. and so i would always go to this one brother his name was spoochie and i go to him and Spooch. i said spoochie how does it sound man how does it sound he tell me bell go back and practice <laughs> you know, go back and practice every time i come to him he say go back and practice and I never complained about him telling me, you know, hey man, you sound bad going practice. Right, right. So it, through the years of, of hearing that and then this, the regimentation of watching how they worked, watching how the Miami Ocean Liners worked, watching how all these great uh, performers worked, then it resonated with inside of me and then watching my brother, you know, right. do his thing. So right. that had a lot to do with it and then cool, you know, right. it's like, I gotta have them sounds, okay. you know. It's gotta be big. I like a big band. So exactly. right now, <clears throat> I have a 15-piece band, right. and uh, all my cats in the band they write, they're composers, they play. I mean, they're bad. They're bad boys, and they're seasoned musicians. Right. And um, and some of them used to play with other people from Al Jarreau to Gladys Knight and Stevie Wonder and Earth Wind and Fire. So I have that kind of a sound. Uh, with me, and then I have a uh, 22-piece orchestra. Wow! So, right, you know, so we we work keeping man. it real. Keeping yeah, it real. absolutely. Man. Not to put you on the spot, but if we just tried to pick a sound, just a couple of notes from when you were younger, something that you either appreciate or love, a song that you maybe even would sing for your mom and make her proud. Um, what might something like that sound Many like? Many guys have come to you with a line that wasn't true, and you passed them by. The Delphonics, of course. That was my favorite group. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Delphonics and then uh, group-wise, and then from there, uh, after them was The Moments, and uh, and then it was uh, a group called The Temperies. I always liked that tenor-type mm-hmm. sound, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then James Brown, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, Brown was the man. And then ja- I love the Jacksons, you know. Yeah. All of them, they're my buddies anyway, so, right. yeah. Yeah, awesome. And yeah. let's just talk about now what you have planned, what you're working on with your new album, because mm-hmm. I've gotten a chance to listen to that, thank mm-hmm. you. And um, how that idea came to basically, it sounds like, seeing some of the favorite music that you have. Yeah, um, artists that you what like. I'm doing is, uh, I'm doing basically what Luther Vandross was doing. I'm covering uh, other people's material, because number one, the material from our generation was outstanding. Was. And this generation has not heard it and they don't really know how to appreciate this so I'm pulling it back uh, and keeping us alive then too uh, overseas it's like we want it um, and three I think that our history has to be captivated 
and that's my my job is to do that, along with writing you know my own stuff too. But but um, I really appreciate the music from uh, from the past, and I think that it should be exploited and seen and heard. You know, that kind of thing. So, and so many other things that uh, you know I've could done a couple of music videos. Um, one is uh, Wishing on a Star from Rolls Royce, and the other uh, I did. Uh, I love James Bond. So I ended up doing uh, one of the James Bond tunes was called Skyfall. Sure, I did a music video on it, and, and um, you know whoever goes to my my website, which is JerryBellMusic.com, and you can see you know all the stuff that I'm doing, and it's a lot of history on right. that on that side. Sure. Oh yeah, you cover yeah quite a, so, quite a few years. Yeah. And speaking about covering, you've got an amazing wall here. Uh, so my wall, my wall of shame. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, your your wall of fame or yeah. shame. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of. Yeah. So I'm going to show you what's on my wall of I call it, uh, shame. You but call the wall, wall of fame. fame. Exactly. <laughs> but it was my wall of fame. Yeah. All right. So um, this is the the new birth, which actually this lists all the albums that we've done. Uh, this is the Daz Band, so this is like all of the, basically a lot of the records that Daz Band that uh, was done by Daz Band, uh, from Let It Whip to Joystick. This is uh, from Daz Band's Wild and Free, uh, and then this is the Been Such a Long Time album, uh, Platinum from uh, New Birth. Then this is my album that was pretty big overseas in Japan. This is my brother's, uh, which was presented to me, uh, Archie Bell and the Drells. Um, uh, this this record, uh, "Dance Your Troubles Away," was produced was produced by McFadden and Whitehead. And then over here, it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> These are my favorite ones too. So uh, the Bad album, um, I worked with Mike on the Bad tour um, that uh, Gamble and Huff had something to do with too, which was the Triumph album. Right. Um, and then that was presented to me from uh, the Jacksons. Um, and then, where are we at? These are the Grammys. Um, the Grammys. One is for uh, Daz Band, uh, Let It Whip, and the other one is for New Births, uh, Wildflower. And in every person's life, every musician's life, even it can happen that something goes wrong, an accident they didn't anticipate, or a health illness that may beset them. Mm -hmm. What happened in your case with respect to, I know we were talking a little bit earlier about your back. Right. Um, and they caused pain, which is certainly something I see every day. I was in a, uh, <laughs> I wasn't in, but someone hit me from the back of the car. Right. And uh, it crushed the back of the car in so bad that um, if I would have, because I, I, I had actually parked to, uh, to, to rest because I've been driving for a while and I was tired and I barely sleep. I do two hours, two, three hours a day right. of sleeping and then I'm up, I'm writing, I'm painting, I'm doing right. something, you know, training, you know, whatever. And so this particular time, it just so happened I didn't let the seat back because mm. normally I would just recline the seat back and I would go to sleep. But I didn't this time. I just, you know, knocked out with the seat up and boom, I got hit from the back and the way that they hit the car, the impact was so strong that they crushed the whole, they pushed the back seat up into the front seat. Right, wow. And um, if my seat would have been back, I would be dead. Right. right. So like a, an accordion effect. Yeah. No doubt, I yes. suspect it was dark and late yeah. and they didn't see the yeah. car. Absolutely. And just ran right into it. Yeah, so from that, I I inquired a lot of back pain, sciatica, you know, right. that kind of thing. Sure. And then plus from years of competing in martial arts, right. you know, just competing uh, a lot, 
you get injuries, you know, right. you're getting hit, you're getting thrown, you're punched, you know, this kind of thing, you know. So um, it didn't help with the back injury. Right. So for a long time, I was going through um, a lot of pain, and then I started going and getting acupuncture. Right. Um, I don't take over-the-counter medicine, so sure. I do a lot of herbs, you know, right. natural uh, natural medicines, and and then uh, the karate helped me. Sure. You know, the martial arts helped me quite a bit uh, right. to um, to take away a lot of the stress that was on the body. Right. Know? And that's what I wanted to get into. You've been doing martial arts pretty much since you were for, a kid. Uh, yeah, since I was, uh, I've been doing martial arts for over f almost forty years now. Wow! And what got you interested in it, and allowed you to continue <laughs> to grow, train, mm. get belts, mm. and then compete? When I was uh, a kid, I used to get chased home. Well, my father was a career military man. Okay. And uh, I didn't know that he was home on leave, and I'm. Boom, jetting down this alley, and at the end of the alley was my pop. Right. And then behind me were the kids that were going to accost me. Right. So my father told me, he said it was five boys. Right. My father told me, he said, you either whip them right. or I'm going to whip you. you. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we heard that in our family so, <laughs> many times. So that's the thing. So um, I put up a good fight, got right. beat up pretty bad but you know he said you don't run home from wow. nothing you don't run from anything and so um, we had a there was a karate school around the corner from where I lived at in Philadelphia it was called the East Coast Karate Association and um, the teacher that I trained under they had just started deploying Japanese uh, masters here wow. to teach right. uh, in the US and so this one teacher that I started training under his name was Teddy Uki Okazaki and so Mr. Okazaki became, you know, almost like a second dad. Right. And plus, my father was uh, was a judo master on the uh, on the on the judo team in the military. Right. And so I was studying judo from him, right. and then uh, Japanese karate, which was called Shotokan, from uh, Mr. Okazaki. Right. And then that led from there to you know this long history of me training, and then going from from the United States to Japan, right. and studying and training in Japan. And uh, I, I trained with uh, actually the second in command to the founder of Shotokan, right. which his name was uh, uh, Mr. Naka, Mr. Nakayama. So I trained under Nakayama Sensei. Um, actually, I was in the dojo the day that he died wow. on the floor. He died on the, in bowing out. That was his last bow. So wow. then uh, I came back to the U.S. And then I started training here in California with my teacher until he died, which was uh, Mr. Uh, Nishiyama, Hirataka Nishiyama. Mm -hmm. So I trained with Nishiyama at JKA uh, system for almost 20 some years. And then he passed and then I trained with another teacher uh, out of Las Vegas named Ozumi Ozawa. Um, I trained with Mr. Ozawa for some years and then um, uh, another teacher of mine in Japan by the name of uh, Yojiro Ishikawa. So I trained under Mr. Ishikawa Sensei, and then uh, I started training here under a a brother right. from uh, New York City by the name of Dr. Moses Powell. Okay. Dr. Moses Powell, and he has a system called Sanukis, okay. and uh, Sanukis is like urban combat. Right. So uh, Dr. Powell, he was. Um, he was like the bodyguard for uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan. He was the bodyguard for Malcolm X. He right. was. Uh, he used to. He taught the FBI. He um, 
um, he trained quite a few, quite a few people, bodyguard for a lot of celebrities and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Dr. Powell is very, very famous right. um, uh, on the East Coast, Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, um, New York, uh, Jersey, in the in the Bahama Islands. You know, our, our, the organization is very, very huge. Right. And uh, and then I also trained in not just the hand-to-hand -hand combat, uh, open-hand combat. But I train, as you can see on my wall, I have swords right in there. Nice. So I train in a um, in a system called Eido, which is a live sword, um, at a, a place called the Shinkagiru Dojo in Kyoto, Japan. And um, actually, this is uh, you can sit down, sit down. Oh, okay. This is one of my favorite uh, favorite swords. This is a, what they call the Musashi blade. Uh, Miyamoto Musashi was a very, very famous uh, swordsman in Japan, and um, this is the Musashi blade. Wow. Very sharp, uh, cut through armor, Right. Wow. cut through a Tavlon vest, uh, will split you in half, right. definitely. Wow. You know? Absolutely. Now, how has it helped you with your core strengthening, with your back pain, mm -hmm. and things like that? Um, and why would you recommend it for other people also consider it that have a love? Well, one thing is um, that, well, the weight of the sword actually um, allows you to strengthen up all of this up in here. Right. And then when you're using your chi, which uh, we call it chi or kimi, right. coming from the navel and the groin area, um, and the way you stance, your stances and your strikes. If you, I practice like a thousand times striking, right. or five hundred times, just this kind of strike, just striking, just striking like this, and standing in a in a specific stance. Um, it helps strengthen up the uh, the core because you're using. Um, if I can stand up and do this, you're using the hips right. area, and then a certain way that you stand. If you're if you're sitting like what we call a horse position, right. a ride horse position, which and the, keeping the back straight, and the right. stomach tucked in, so it helps to mm -hmm. keep you uh, keep the core strong up in right. here. So it's really engaging a lot of the yeah. abdominal muscles. Yeah, and then turning, twist, right. twist, okay. twist. You know that kind of thing wow. like that. So when you twist. Twisting right. and punching at the same right. time too. So. Wow. So, yeah. So a lot of that helps for the back muscles engage them, keep them strong, Absolutely. and things like that. What advice would you give, especially given the number of years that you've studied martial arts and mm -hmm. use this as a way to strengthen your core for someone who has a back injury? People have back pain because it's very common. See it every day. One is, um, <clears throat> I would suggest I get a lot of massage. Um, I have um, someone to come and massage me, or either I'll go to a specific place. Um, well, here, preferably, I go to Koreatown and get right. massages. When I was in Japan, I got them like three, four times a day. You right. know? Um, if you have someone that can work your body, because it's very important to touch. Right. It's very important because you feel the electrons and the radiation from another human's touch right. on the body. I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one -on -one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric acid.
Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.